This is an audio-only version of the video series broadcast on YouTube. If you want to experience Me, Myself, and Die as it was originally intended, search for Me, Myself, and Die on YouTube, Facebook, or Rumble. The playlists for all the seasons of the show can be found there. And now, Me, Myself, and Die. They take this short sword. Do they care about the mummified badger? <laughs> I don't think they're going to take the mummified badger. I think they're just going to note it. <laughs> what, the, what the hell is that? Well, hello again and welcome back once again to Me, Myself and Die. I am, as always, your intrepid game master player and host Trevor DeVal. If you like the show, don't forget to hit like and subscribe and to hit that notification bell button down below. When last we left Simon of Augustan, they had arrived in the city of Chiton in order to investigate the murders of the beggars that had been going on in the vicinity of the Hooks district, which is a district that Manfred of Dovedane is lord of. This serial killer was responsible about a year ago for killing a bunch of people in a, a bunch of beggars in a, in a very, very brutal fashion, in a, in a multitude of fashions, stabbings and beatings and stragglings and drownings and all that kind of stuff. Simon was blamed for it by the guards who found him in the vicinity of some of the bodies. And uh, he accidentally killed one of the guards trying to defend himself and had to flee. When our guys arrived in Chiton, they discovered that the killer had been uh, taking out the beggars outside of soup kitchens which are run by Lord Manfred, as well as the clergy of Eloja, the god of healing and sickness and all that kind of stuff. They figured out that the killer must have worked in one of the soup kitchens. They uh, got in a bit of a confrontation with one of the workers there, this scraggly looking fellow who bore a holy symbol of Eloja around his neck. But before they could get any further information out of him, he kind of sent one of the other workers to go fetch the guards and then himself fled into the city. So we're going to start our scene with our guys going through the streets of Chiton looking for the Temple of Eloja to try and see if they can find out any more information about this coarse priest who fled from them at the soup kitchens. Our chaos factor is back at five. First of all, is the scene interrupted or altered? Let's find out. Five or less. Ten. So no, the scene begins as normal with our people showing up to the Temple of Elosia. Now, one of our viewers, Alan, had a really interesting idea that I want to test right now to see if, um, if it's true. That idea was that it is perhaps possible that Isabel and Stratton, the two or two of the four bounty hunters that were sent by Manfred to track down Simon and company. The idea was that these bounty hunters escaped their bonds, which Simon, you know, assumed they would, but went back to Kitan to report to Lord Manfred that Simon was about, and possibly to give not only an updated description of Simon, but also descriptions of his accomplices, Arn Kalapunki and Edbert. So let's see if that's the case. You know what, I'm just gonna give this a 50-50 chance. On Chaos Factor 5 means it's a 50% chance. 48, oh, barely. So yes. As our guys are going through the city towards the Temple of Eloja, they turn and they see, posted up on many, many different walls, is a very disturbing sight. Arn sees it first. He puts his hand out on Simon's shoulder and he points at the poster. They sort of go up slowly to the poster and there they can see, you know, hastily scrawled likenesses of Arn, Edbert, and Simon right there. 
<laughs> this is a problem now. Arn kind of looks around and says, Well, that would explain the reason why the workers in the soup kitchens fled in order to get the guards. They must have recognized either myself or Edbert, as you, of course, had your cowl up the whole time. Well, this complicates things, Arn. For starters, the two of you best put your hoods up. Manfred now knows that Simon, with two accomplices, including Arn, the bounty hunter he originally sent out after him, are back in this part of the world. They've crossed the mountains, possibly back in Kiton. So they're gonna be very surreptitious. They're gonna make their way through the streets with their cowls up, trying to be as nondescript as possible. They reach the temple of Elosia because they, the scene was not interrupted or altered. So they in fact get there without interruption. I don't think it's a big austere thing with giant gilded columns or anything like that. Because Elosia is the god of healing, it stands to reason that this is also a de facto hospital in a way. So I think that you probably have several wings of the temple that are dedicated specifically to healing the sick. So there's gonna be, you know, it's gonna be a fairly sizable building, but not particularly fancy. Uh, also by that logic, I think that the priests of Elosia, the priests and priestesses, probably dress very, very simply, you know, sort of homespun kind of garb. And Simon goes up to one of the priests who's walking around. Excuse me, brother. We'll call him brother, that's the good title. Uh, do you have a moment to speak? Uh, yes, of course, uh, of course, please, come this way. He sort of leads him off to a small fountain area kind of thing. Tell me, does the Temple of Elosia help Lord Manfred in the running of the soup kitchens and the hooks? Yes, yes, we send personnel there to uh, assist in the feeding of the poor. Can you tell me anything about a fellow who works there, scraggly beard, bald patch, wears a symbol of Elosia quite prominently around his neck. I think we determined last episode that this guy is in fact an acolyte here, so uh, does this priest know of him? Uh, we'll say very likely. Does this priest know of him? 79, yes he does. Yes, I recognize the description. That is brother... <laughs> Random tables right here. Waverly. Yes, that sounds very much like Brother Waverly. Uh, tell me, how long has he worked at the temple? Has Brother Waverly worked at the soup kitchens for over a year? I think that's very likely. Zero three. Extreme. Yes. Well, Brother Waverly has, uh, he was actually one of the first acolytes we sent to the soup kitchens when Lord Manfred decreed that he would be establishing them. So he has intimate knowledge of the operations of the soup kitchen. Well, yes, I would imagine he does. What does Simon learn about Brother Waverly from this? 61. Oppress. 15. The innocent. Oppress the innocent. Oh, God. <laughs> Okay, what does that mean? So Brother Waverly oppresses the innocent. <laughs> What's he doing as an acolyte of this temple? Ah! Brother Waverly came to us under rather unfortunate circumstances. He was a captured bandit. Lord Manfred, however, upon realizing his affinity for the healing arts, decided instead of executing him to sentence him to a life of service to help the poor of the district. And so he brought him to us to oversee his rehabilitation. He has served the temple very well the entire time he's been here. He was one of the first ones we decided to send to the soup kitchens when Lord Manfred mandated their existence. 
Tell me, brother, do you know anything about Waverley's past? I mean his criminal past before he came here to work with you. Well, Manfred did not give a great amount of detail, but perhaps he knows something. Does the priest know something about the details of Waverly's past? Uh, I'd say it's probably unlikely. No. I'm afraid Lord Manfred kept any details about Waverly's past to himself, and Brother Waverly has never volunteered any information, but it is the standard practice of the Church of Elosia to wipe the slate clean when someone comes to us. Your past is irrelevant. All that we care about is your future. Well, can you tell me where Brother Waverly resides? Does he reside here at the temple? I mean, probably he's basically been sentenced to service, so I think it's a near sure thing that Waverly's residence is here at the Temple of Elosia. 57 is a yes. Brother Waverly does keep his residence here at the temple. Can you take me to the rooms? Now, this is getting a little much. I mean, th these three strangers show up and start asking questions about Waverly. I think that this priest is gonna have to, you know, be swayed a little bit here, or persuaded, in order to uh, go along further with this. So I'm gonna give Simon a persuasion roll. Let's see if this uh, priest is willing to help out. Oh, 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 looking good. Five, success. Uh, well, I suppose it wouldn't be too much trouble. Uh, might I ask your names? Here's the thing. There is a tiny possibility, because we just established that the wanted posters are up with the uh, descriptions. Now, those wanted posters wouldn't have been up very long, right? Like, probably a couple days at the most. So I don't think that the general description of our party would be super well-known to everybody. There is a chance, however, that the priest does recognize at least one of them. I think it's impossible. It's just, it's too, it's too unlikely. But there's a chance. 51, no, it's okay. So he does not recognize Simon and company from the water posters. But he does take Simon up the stairway uh, to the second level to the very meager residences of the acolytes there. Um, they probably sleep in common rooms, I'm picturing. It's almost like, like a monastery, I, I'm, I'm imagining, like a big common room. Everyone has a, a single uh, cot with a small chest at the, at the base of the bed. There's, there's almost no privacy here. So the, the, this priest leads Simon to Brother Waverly's bed. Now Simon's gonna ask a question that's gonna definitely require a persuasion roll. I know this sounds unusual, brother, but um, would it be too much to ask if we had a look inside that chest? Oh, that is most unusual. We here at the Church of Elosia do not encourage private possessions, but nonetheless, someone's private things are still theirs. I would feel very uncomfortable giving access to you. Who are you again? We are friends. We only ask because we are trying to rule out Brother Waverly from being a suspect in a crime. Oh, oh my. Still, mm. Also, I haven't been giving the outsider penalty here because we've established that Simon's outsider penalty to his charisma checks, or to his social interaction checks, only count when someone is aware of his pariah status, which this priest is not, because he did not recognize him from the wanted posters. Uh, but I am gonna give him a minus two to this. Oh, we have an exploding four. Seven minus two is five, it's a success! A crime, you say? Oh, well. Very well, and he leans over and opens up the chest. Now, Brother Waverly, he's an ex-bandit who had some healing skill, 
Manfred recognized that skill and apparently Manfred decided instead of executing him, he was going to put him to work with the Church of Elogia to help the poor. Once again, we see Manfred actually looks like a fairly decent guy. I mean, he's set up these soup kitchens for the poor. He's he's now, instead of executing a bandit, he's decided to use his skills to help that poor. I think Manfred is actually not the villain that perhaps we may have uh, thought he was up to this point. What do they find in the chest? So we are going now to uh, the Book of Random Tables 3. <laughs> three, <laughs> because there's a great little thing here called items in a chest. <laughs> so let's find out. We have 85. We have. We have a mummified badger. <laughs> Two bottles of wine. And we have, finally, <gasps> a short sword covered in dried blood. Simon picks this up, turns to the priest. The priest's eyes go wide. Oh, oh my. Do you mind if we take this, brother? This could be evidence. Y yes, he already succeeded in his persuade role. That's, I, I had no idea. What are the crimes that you suspect Brother Waverly of? I'd rather not go into that right at the moment, brother. Uh, tell me, when do you normally expect Brother Waverly to return? Well, he would normally return after his shift at the soup kitchen, so I would imagine by dusk. When he returns tonight, try and make sure he doesn't leave. We'd like to come back and speak to him. So, they take this short sword. Do they care about the mummified badger? <laughs> I don't think they're gonna take the mummified badger. I think they're just gonna note it. <laughs> what the hell is that? Well, you know what? Is there anything that might show a connection to the murders because of the mummified badger? <laughs> I, I'm gonna say no way. That's too bizarre. It's too weird. No, 90. Uh, an extra, extreme no. So this thing, <laughs> I, I think what this was is that Waverly had, when he was on the road with the bandits, he had a pet badger and the badger got killed and he had it stuffed because he couldn't say goodbye to it. Oh, poor Waverly. <laughs> but the answer is no, so no. But they do have a short sword covered in dry blood. They take that sword back to the Creeping Pixie. They're sitting around a table and there's other patrons in here as well, obviously. And I don't think they stay at the table. I think they go upstairs to their, to their room. But they go up there and they look at this sword. Dried blood, that could mean a lot of things. Here's a question, uh, does any of our guys have the uh, healing skill? Yes, Simon has it. So Simon's the only one that has it. So Simon takes this sword, the short sword, and very carefully begins to examine that blood. He wants to know if he can determine how old the blood is. Anything at all, I don't know what he's gonna discover. Healing roll, five, success. So he does determine something about the blood. How old is the blood? 50-50, is the blood a year old? No, the blood is more than a year old, and it's doubles, which means random event. What is the event focus as they're in the room, examining the sword? PC positive. Dessert? Prison. Okay, I know what this is. There is a knock on the door. They turn, they brandish weapons, obviously. There's a muffled voice from beyond the door. Simon of Augustan. I need to speak with you. Identify yourself. And I think he motions for Edbert to go up, you know, pulling his broadsword and standing by the door, you know, taking a, a ready position to strike. The voice says, I'm a friend. Morning. Simon, share a look. Simon pulls the crossbow, loads it, keeps it trained on the door. He motions to Arn to go over and slowly open the door, which he does. Standing there in the doorway, hands up in supplication, is Stratton, the bounty hunter. 
forgive me. Might I come in? As you can see, I am unarmed. And sure enough, neither of his swords are there. Stratton. I'm surprised to see you. Come in. And he keeps the crossbow trained on him. But Stratton comes in, hands still up. Orange shuts the door behind him. I forgive this intrusion, Simon, if I may call you Simon. You have no doubt noticed all of the wanted posters around town with your likenesses on it? Uh, yes, we most certainly did. After you left us bound to the tree with very loose knots, and uh, I appreciate that, Isabel and I returned to the city. Isabel was very keen on reporting what had happened. I, however, remembered my vow to you that I would no longer pursue you. She went directly to Lord Manfred and uh, gave him all of your descriptions. And what are you doing here now, Stratton? Please don't take this the wrong way, but uh, I uh, have been following you three since you left the Creeping Pixie. Following us? This had better be good, Stratton. I noticed you were inquiring with the workers at the soup kitchens. Very simply, Simon, I want to tell you that I know Brother Waverley from the old days. Before I started working with Isabel, I was a member of his gang of bandits. I know him rather well. Do you? Then you should know that we are investigating him for his connection to the murder of these beggars a year ago. Does Stratton have any reason to believe that Waverly is tied up in these murders? 60. No. I can tell you, Simon, that you're barking up the wrong tree. Waverly was many things, but a cold-blooded killer? No. He had devoted himself to the healing arts. The only reason why he was with the bandit gang at all was because he had fallen on hard times. If you are thinking that he had anything to do with these murders, I can assure you, he did not. Well, if that is the case, then kindly explain this, and he produces the bloodied short sword. This was found in Waverly's personal possessions at the temple. Does Stratton recognize? Does, does he know? Does he know the answer? Mm, somewhat likely. 42, he does. Waverly was no killer, but he did fight with a bandit group for some time. That was his blade. It is no doubt covered with the blood of someone who tried to accost him after he left the bandit group. Yes, he did leave the bandit group, and it was only then that he was apprehended by Lord Manfred. He was not even actively a bandit at the time he was captured. He was just a lonely man on the run at the wrong place at the wrong time. And you expect us to just accept your word? You have no reason not to accept my word. I kept it to you on the riverbanks. I said I would not come after you, and I have not. In fact, I tried to stop Isabel from doing so. I am here, even now, keeping my word to you. Can you prove anything of what you say? Yes, as a matter of fact, I can. That blade that you have in your hand there? I gave him that blade. He was so eager to leave the bandit camp, he was about to do so without any weapons. I knew that that would be suicide, so I gave him that sword. If you look on the hilt, you will see a small marking etched underneath the cross guard. It is a spreading oak tree, my personal symbol. Simon takes the blade, looks. Sure enough, etched underneath the cross piece, a little oak symbol. We were going to go to the Temple of Elosia later to question Waverley. I think you should come with us. Very well, I will do just that. So I think um, 
they wait till after dark, they take Stratton with them, and they go back to the Temple of Elogia, and they find Waverly there, and they question him with Stratton. I'm not going to go into a big thing here, but I'm just going to resolve this with a roll. Is everything Stratton says the truth? Is he telling him the truth? I think it's very likely he is. 54 on 85. Yeah. Waverly's terrified of them when they approach, but he explains to them the reason why he fled is because he recognized their faces from the wanted posters. So Waverly, unkempt coarse priest that he is, is telling the truth. The reason why he had the blade is because it was a gift from Stratton in the bandit camp before he left. He, in fact, had nothing to do with the murders. But we know that the murderer worked in one of the soup kitchens. And we know that Waverly was there from the beginning. So Waverly would have known everybody who worked there. Simon apologizes for, the, for startling him and gives him back his sword. Brother Waverly, we are trying to ascertain the true identity of the killer. Lord Manfred, the man that you serve, thinks that I am responsible, but I assure you I am not. I am here merely to clear my name. Will you help me? Only because Stratton is there, this was a PC positive after all, so let's make sure that it is a positive. I think because Stratton is there, Waverly is willing to help Simon in terms of the, any information he has that might help him. This, this all comes about as a result of a PC positive random scene, so I'm gonna say that it's very likely that Brother Waverly remembers someone suspicious working in the soup kitchens. And this could provide a lead. Zero eight on 16, extreme yes. So Waverly says, I do remember there was someone suspicious. I didn't think much about it at the time, but, uh, well, can you describe him? Yes, I can. Let me consult Une. He was a despondent vagrant. He was actually from among the ranks of the beggars himself. He came in and he wanted to help his friends on the street as much as he could. Of course, as a good servant of Eloja, I easily accepted his offer. Please, Brother Waverly, can you give me a physical description of this person? And a name would help too, but let's get the physical description first. This is Random Tables 4 now for NPC physical descriptions. Yes, he was of average height, muscular, had long flowing hair. Arn reacts to this. It's a good thing he was a man because I have this terrible phobia about women with long flowing hair, if you remember from episodes past. Huh? And what was this man's name? Well, he went by Thornton. You said that he was suspicious to you. Why? Well, despondent vagrant. He was always in low spirits. He always seemed to have a profound lack of hope. And yet he always came to the soup kitchens every day, every single day. What else made you suspicious of him? Celebrate 32 plans. When Lord Manfred had told us that the soup kitchens were working out very well, he said that he was going to establish a few more in the district. The beggar, Thornton, was extraordinarily happy at this. 
It was strange because he was normally so morose, so hopeless, but Thornton was almost gleeful, celebratory, if you will. He couldn't be happier of Lord Manfred's plan. Anything specifically he did, his actions that made you suspicious? 29. Take. 60. Misfortune. Take misfortune. I said that he was a despondent sort, a morose sort. He had a particular quirk about him. He would, uh, he would always be fascinated by the circumstances under which someone was reduced to penury. He would spend a great deal of time among, amongst the rest of the beggars in the soup kitchen, sitting with them, asking them all of the details about, about how they came to lose their fortunes or, or how they came to live a life of utter and abject poverty. It was shortly after this that the first of the beggars started to disappear. And you don't know where he resides now? Where we could find him? Well, no, but I'm sure if you asked around with the beggars of the hooks, they might be able to tell you more information. Very well. I thank you, Brother Waverley. And again, my apologies for startling you. And they leave and they go back to the creeping pixie. Let's end that scene there. It's a big, long one. Simon, Edbert, and Arn are all wanted. Uh, we update our list. The course priest, his name is Brother Waverly, and we know that he's innocent. So Stratton came here to basically make good on his word. You know, he said that I'm not going to go after you anymore. He saw Isabel going to gonna undermine the oath that he made, and he tried to warn him as best he could. What happens with Stratton now? I'm not sure if he's going to stick around or not, but we'll find out later. And we add the thread of Ask the Beggars about Thornton. So that's the thread, uh, that's the thread list, the character list, and the chaos factor. I think the chaos factor goes up in this case because we thought we were onto something with this brother Waverly. We totally thought, oh yeah, this guy, I mean, Arn said it himself, I think this guy is key, and well, he might still wind up being key, but not the way that we thought. I'm gonna raise the chaos factor to six, and now we're gonna go into the next scene. Where the next morning our guys are going into the slums of the Hooks among the beggars trying to investigate anything they could find out about this mysterious Thornton fellow who basically vanished a year ago. Well, we don't know if he vanished a year ago. We know that he stopped working at the soup kitchens a year ago. So first of all, is the scene altered or interrupted? A chaos factor is six. Five means yes, it is in fact altered. The first thing that comes to mind is that some of the beggars they are talking to actually recognize Arn and Edbert from those wanted posters. We'll say it's Edbert. So as Edbert is talking, you know, I think the three of them sort of split up a little bit throughout the slums and they spend the, mo the majority of that morning going amongst the beggars, going amongst their, their the, the various areas of the hooks, asking different people anything, describing Thornton, asking him for him by name, anything at all that these people can tell or remember about this guy. But as they're doing this, Edbert gets recognized by one of the beggars he's talking to, whose eyes go wide with fear. And in fact, I think as Edbert is is talking to this uh, this this beggar. This beggar's kind of looking at him, and he he kind of sees. And you know, if this was a film, we'd rack focus behind Edbert to see the the, the likeness of Edbert on a poster right behind him. And there, uh, uh, the beggar kind of backs off and runs through the street. And Edbert turns and he sees the poster, realizes what's happening, ah, and he goes after the beggar to try and stop him from informing the watcher, whatever the beggar's gonna do. So we're gonna do a simple chase here. It's gonna be competing agility tests, but. 
I'm going to give the beggar a bonus because in the maze-like streets and alleyways of the slums of the Hooks, this beggar knows the area very well, and there are many, many, many little twists and turns that he could easily lose his pursuer. So I'm going to give him a plus two to his agility roll. Edward's going to have to beat... Four. Edward is chasing after this beggar, leaping over carts, you know, smashing into people, pushing out of the way, out of the way kind of thing as he's going after this beggar. He's not rolling with anything special and he rolls a six and a two is an eight. He succeeds uh, with a raise because the target number was four. And he grabs the beggar and throws him into a side alley and, you know, gets right up in his face. He says, listen, I didn't do anything, all right? You understand? Now, I want to know about this Thornton fella. You tell me everything you know about him. He's clearly going to do an intimidate here. D6 intimidation. Five. So this is an opposed roll against the beggar spirit. I don't think the beggar's going to have a big spirit. I'm going to give him a D4. So he's basically going to explode. He does not. So the beggar kind of cowers. <gasps> please, please, sir, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. This beggar's going to spill the beans. Anything he knows about Thornton. Does he know anything about this Thornton? I don't know. 50-50. 40. He does. He does know something. What does he know about Thornton? He knows 88 control. He knows 26 control the physical. Well, that makes sense with what we know about him being a big muscular guy. Please, sir, please don't hurt me, sir. I, I know something about the bloke you you're saying. Long flowing hair, really big muscles. Yeah, that's the guy. What do you know about him? I know that all of us in this district, sir, were terrified of him with the muscles of his, sir. We, we wondered why he wasn't one of Lord Manfred's guards. He had the muscles for it. Does he learn anything else? Nah, I don't think so. He didn't succeed with the raise. That was the altered scene. Meanwhile, Simon and Arn are basically doing the same kind of thing. They're questioning. They're just going to use their skills to see if they learn anything that can provide a lead to this Thornton. Simon is rolling a persuade roll. He rolls no. So he's he's unable to determine anything about Thornton or his whereabouts. What about Arn has investigated in streetwise. Arn's going to do a streetwise on this to see if they know anything about this Thornton fella. Oh, look at that. Oh, ho, ho. He's ugly, however, so he is going to get the minus two. Let us not forget that. However, we have 10 minus two is a success with a raise. It's about damn time. He's going to learn something of particular importance here. From the criminal element, because he's doing a streetwise, it is 69. Ruin, ruin vehicle. That is the site, or very near there, is the site of an old ruined docks district that fell into disrepair, fell into to, to disuse. It's small, there's nobody that resides there anymore, but there's like a whole bunch of old uh, granaries there, uh, you know, ruined, as I said, ruined docks, ruined granaries, ruined boathouses, this kind of stuff. Arn discovers that this long-haired, big, muscular fella who called himself Thornton, who was always an odd chap, can apparently be found there in the ruins of one particular ship, like a riverboat, basically. He goes back to the Creeping Pixie to meet back up with Edbert and with Simon. They sit around the table discussing what has happened. I believe I know where we can find this Thornton. You discovered his location? Apparently, he can be found amongst the ruins of an old riverboat that had disused docks to the south of Stormmarket. I know that area. It's utterly deserted from what I recall. That is what the beggars told me as well. If he is still there, 
then I think it's time we paid him a visit. Simon, every beggar I spoke to today, they all said the same thing. This guy was as strong as an ox. If we're gonna go confront him, we best be careful. He could probably wring our necks like chickens. Well then, we shall have to approach with caution. And approach with caution they will, but not till next time. For this is the end of the scene and the end of the episode. Thanks so much for watching, and as always, if you enjoyed the show, please do hit like and subscribe. And join us next time when Simon goes down to the abandoned docks to continue his investigation into the serial killer of Kaiten and hopefully find evidence enough to clear his name once and for all. Thanks so much for joining us here, and we will see you next time on Me, Myself, and Die.